It's time for our Wellness Wednesday update with our friend Dr. Michael Royson from the Cleveland Clinic, also from uh, a place you should be visiting each and every day, at least every week, longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com, so you can live a lot longer, but a lot younger. At the same time, Dr. Royson, welcome back, my friend. It's always a privilege to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Last week, we talked briefly about all of the news was reporting there's a there's a lockdowns in China again as as children were suffering from respiratory virus that looked like pneumonia and you explained that the reduction in in strengthening immune systems caused by lockdowns from a couple of years of the pandemic could be at play here and then it's the like instantly after we finished talking there were reports of some similar not lockdowns but flare-ups in this country, and and then nothing. I haven't heard anything reported about that since that one day. So was this just people freaking out, Doc, that we have seasonal flu and, and other seasonal illnesses that are happening and nothing to worry about? As I said, we, we don't know enough to know what we don't know. But we're seeing an increase in upper respiratory illnesses, but attributed to COVID, the flu, and RSV and their consequences, um, and nothing in the order of uh, the COVID-19, nothing that, uh, if you will, prominent in the United States as of now. Okay. And let's go over why kids in China are getting it. If you're locked down and not exposed to other kids, not exposed to other viruses, your immune system doesn't learn and doesn't protect you from them. And then if you get two or three at once, they can overwhelm your immune system. We think that's what's happening in China, meaning it's overwhelming not only their hospital system, but overwhelming the individual person's ability to combat it. Uh, But we don't know that this isn't a new uh, virus, etc. We don't suspect it is. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good news, and I I thank you for the clarification. Um, I want to get uh, into the research, but I I also want to ask you, and I just thought of this right now, so I'm not trying to surprise you with a question, but there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in the country because a lot of people still have questions about what we went through the last three years and questions on on the COVID vaccinations and boosters. And there was great reluctance in some groups. And then there were people like me who got vaccinated twice and boosted twice. But now I'm reluctant. Um, and frankly, I'm concerned that it's going to cause reluctance of normal tested vaccines. Are you guys in the medical community seeing a reluctance now for what has been generally accepted seasonal vaccines that people should be getting? Well, not only seasonal vaccines, but the vaccines for kids. And this is terribly destructive. And what we really worry about is that we're going to see some of these illnesses that have stopped causing major problems, rubella, the measles vaccines, the DPT vaccines, 
all of these things that legislators are saying, well, let's stop the mandates, let's stop the requirement for school, or let's increase homeschooling so they don't have to get it for homeschooling. And what that does is we're beginning to see an uptick of serious illnesses. In other words, these vaccines prevented 40,000 serious hospitalizations, illnesses, brain dysfunctions for every one that was caused. That is, they had a tremendous safety benefit, 40,000 to one benefit to risk ratio of these classic childhood vaccines. We're beginning to see an uptick of serious diseases that is brain dysfunction, gonadal dysfunction, other heart and lung problems from people, from kids who, in kids who didn't get the vaccines because their parents thought it was better not to get it. Doc, do you think that the reluctance that parents have about getting their kids vaccinated is also going to be compounded with the maybe millions of young children who have come into this country from other countries who probably don't have the vaccines that we have been giving our kids in school. So therefore, there could be flare-ups of measles, mumps, rubella, you know, whatever, because of that influx as well. Is that an exacerbating situation? Um, It would be if your kid hasn't gotten vaccinated. But it's not if you have your child vaccinated. In other words, these are incredibly effective and incredibly safe childhood immunizations or vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And I consider it the obligation of a parent to then protect their kid. And the benefits are so much greater than the risks. So um, if you don't get vaccinated, do these diseases, do these viruses, um, have a increased frequency, yes, because of the immigrants, but also because of all the kids who haven't gotten vaccinated, were, if you will, didn't their parents didn't protect them, and we see that in the some of the populations who claim religious reasons, and all of a sudden, then it wipes out or causes a huge problem in that religious population. So the point is, these are safe vaccines for your kids. They're important and they will protect them and protect them against the increased virus circulating in the community. It's just smart, smart stuff. If vaccines have been around for decades, you you should trust them. If you're a parent or if you're a grandparent, make sure those little ones are vaccinated and protected. All right, Doc, in the research you sent me this week, I see the number one story about a biological agents effectively treating systemic lupus erythematosus. Did I get that? Yes. It's a tough one to pronounce. I I have friends who've had lupus, but I don't fully understand what lupus is. Can you give us a short explanation and tell us if this is a big breakthrough here? Well, it's a breakthrough for people who have lupus. Lupus, we never knew what caused it. But what this is, is giving a, a biologic agent that impedes part of the immune system. So what it looks like is lupus is an autoimmune disease that can attack the lung, can attack the heart. It 
commonly attacks the kidney and causes some kidney failure. It can attack every organ. Um, and in these trials, they've used things that they use against rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis and other autoimmune diseases, and they seem to be effective. So the benefit is that by developing these drugs for other purposes, you're actually able to prevent or treat lupus as well. Well, that's a good thing. That's a very good, that's very promising. And I'm going to tell, tell my friend Susie about this. Maybe it'll help her. Doc, every time I turn on the TV, I see ad after ad after ad for medication, pills, prescriptions for people who have psoriasis. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how one gets psoriasis, but I'm curious about this one. The elevated polysocial risk score linked to increased psoriasis risk. First of all, uh, what's a polysocial risk score? So the polysocial risk score is, are you managing stress by talking to friends? Are you able to get medical care? Are you eating food that is healthy versus food that has high sugar, high syrup, high simple carb rate? Are you eating food with red meat and, if you will, processed red meat? Are you eating um, things that cause inflammation or decrease inflammation? Are you doing exercise to maintain yourself appropriately, meaning the 10,000 steps a day? And in this case, what they said is stress and food choices and physical activity and avoiding smoking were key in avoiding psoriasis and that psoriasis, in other words, a lot of these diseases that we've thought were genetic really require a trigger that you can control. Hmm. That is, whether we get obese or not, we know that some people have addiction genes, but whether you get addicted or not, is not just the genes, it's what you do to trigger them being productive, meaning turning them on or not. And so what we've learned in this set is whether you get fatty liver disease, disease of your liver that causes its dysfunction and can lead to dementia and can lead to a whole bunch of other things depends on your choice of are you managing stress, especially that's important? Are you choosing foods that keep your diet anti-inflammatory or that don't increase inflammation in your diet as simple sugars such as high fructose corn syrup and corn sugar do? Are you um, exercising and are you avoiding uh, what we call unforced errors like vaping and smoking? Dr. Royzen is with us, Dr. Michael Royzen, and I encourage you to follow this guy on social media because it's great information and it's simple stuff you can do to make yourself healthier, live longer, live younger, and longevityplaybook.com has uh, great information and great events every week that can help you live younger and longer. Doc, we talk about eating foods that love you back. I know you've, you've mentioned that before, and we've talked about stress. 
and how managing stress in your life by having a posse that you can talk to can help you live younger, live longer. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I wish I had all day to talk about it, but I, I'm trying to get the message out through your information that it's not that tough, that it doesn't have to be a, a real stressful thing to change your life and be healthier. And I'll quote one more study here because I think this is a simple way you can, you can change, and that is whole grains. Whole grains linked to slower cognitive decline, and this was on, among elderly black people in this new study. But isn't that good for everybody? Aren't whole grains good for all of us? They're absolutely good for all of us. In this study, they just looked at it for dementia in the African-American population. And what they showed was that, in fact, the more whole grains the individuals had, the lower their risk of dementia. Okay, and what's the easiest way to identify whole grains? If it says on the label, 100% whole grains. So you'll see bread um, that says made with whole grains. That can be as little as... I think it is 7%. Hmm. If it says 100% whole grain, that's what you want. This habit of reading labels is something I need everybody to get on board with. Read the labels, see what you're putting in your body. As Dr. Royston says, eat foods that love you back. It will pay And dividends. that you love. Uh, well, you, want food, you want food you love, but you want it to love you back. Well, there's a lot of food I love that doesn't love me back, Doc, and therein lies the problem. <laughs> Right, but there are plenty of foods that you can find that you'll love to eat that love you back. I love avocados. It loves me back. I love salmon. They love me back. I love walnuts. They love me back. I love peanuts. They love me back. So there are plenty of foods that you can find that you both love and that will love you back. And including the coffee you're pouring right now, which loves you back too. I know that. I, from... How'd you know I was pouring <laughs> coffee? Did it sound that great? Yes. I always pour two cups in the morning and I only had one when you called. <laughs> I, I have great ears, Dr. Rosen. Dr. Michael Rosen <laughs> is our buddy and he's trying to get us to live younger <laughs> and live longer. And we meet every single week. Follow him and go to longevityplaybook.com. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, and I apologize for pouring the coffee on air. <laughs>